The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. In the last episode, our guest pointed out the opportunities in Africa with its vast natural resources. Today, we are going to discuss with the experts on Africa about this subject. We are using a different format for our show. We are broadcasting this episode from Oxford University. We are in a concept cafe with our panel of experts. We have with us Professor Lalit Johri, Senior Fellow and Director of Advanced Management and Leadership Program at Oxford. Welcome, Lalit. Thank you, Mahesh. It's a pleasure to join this panel on Africa. And we also have with us Mr. Ibiaho Emafo, who is the Chief Executive Officer at Eroton Exploration and Production Company Limited in Nigeria. Welcome, Mr. Viaho. Thank you very much, Mahesh. It's nice to be speaking from Oxford, talking about issues to do with Africa. Thank you very much for the opportunity to discuss. And we also have uh, our guest from Botswana, Mr. Letsibi Sergio. He's the Chief Executive Officer at Botswana Investment and Trade Center in Botswana. Welcome, Mr. Letsibi. Thank you, Mahesh. Um, good day to your listeners. Uh, thank you very much for having me on this show. I'm quite eager and privileged to share some perspectives from Africa. So as our guests pointed out in our last show on oil and gas, the, how important is Africa for us? <clears throat> Africa is a very important part of global economy with its 1.1 billion population and 2.4 trillion GDP. It provides some of the most important minerals we need in our day-to-day -day life. The 10 African minerals of highest value are oil and gas, gold, diamond, copper, coal, platinum, uranium, aluminum, bauxite, and iron and steel. These natural resources are needed almost for our daily survival. Now, are these resources a boon for Africa or is it a curse for them? From my perspective, I think um, the mineral resources are a boon for Africa. I think they're a welcome uh, resource for Africa. Unfortunately, in some of the countries in Africa, uh, the leadership hasn't exploited the mineral resources to its full potential. 
in the sense that in the management of the mineral resources for development, there's been uh, a lack of will by the leadership to do the right things with the mineral resources in Africa. You have clear cases in some countries where uh, they're dependent 100% on one mineral resource. And um, in the event that the price of the mineral resource goes down in the world markets, the country suffers because they lose a great percentage of their earnings potential. Uh, for example, you have a situation in Nigeria where it's a, a monoproduct economy where we depend 100% on oil. Um, so this, this, this could create challenges, but I think uh, we should look at it as an opportunity and a blessing for Africa because these are our resources, and if they are well managed and put to good use, uh, the continent will benefit. I, I uh, completely share this sentiment uh, with Mr. Imafobet. Uh, whether it's a curse or a boon is completely dependent on the leadership of those countries. Uh, natural resource exploited responsibly by a leader and the society at large can create huge amount of wealth for the society. With appropriate technology, whether it's indigenous technology or brought from the other countries in the world, the fundamental issue here is all about leadership. Because the intrinsic natural wealth belongs to the society and it should be used for the welfare of the society. I think similarly, I, I would agree entirely. Um, I do accept and agree with the fact that uh, the fact that we're endowed with all these mineral resources uh, is indeed an opportunity. Um, and if you look at uh, economic growth across the continent, um, in the past three or so decades has been driven largely by our ability to convert uh, our mineral resources into economic activity. Um, I do also believe that um, we can perhaps do a lot more as a continent in terms of uh, looking at how we can diversify our economy from this over-reliance, um, often in most instances on one or two commodities in each country. Um, and, and of course diversification will take a number of forms. One form would be diversifying within uh, the product in terms of finding your position in higher um, or along you know higher positions in that particular value chain and I think a lot of investment has to go into that um, but back to the professor's point you know to be able to do that you do need an environment um, under very strong leadership that has all the, the tenants that can drive that successfully. So it appears like a governance issue <clears throat> And maybe that's the cause that weak governance and uh, uh, abundant natural resources, they have created armed conflict in the region also. Yes, there have been armed conflicts um, in the region. Um, you have situations in um, Sierra Leone um, where you have the uh, RUF um, and the issue of the blood diamonds in, in Sierra Leone as well. Um, but I think, in, in all, what has started happening is that most citizens are now asking questions, more questions of their governments in terms of what they're using the mineral resources for. Um, and I've seen a lot of governments as well now being more accountable in Africa towards their populace. So I see the, the, the 
with time, I see a lot of progress will be made with the exploitation of resources and the putting it to good use. And with the issue of uh, countries like Sierra Leone, they've come out of the armed conflicts. Um, they've started focusing on development and proper exploitation of the resources. So I think they're good examples in the region where other countries can learn from and probably put their natural resources to better use. Yeah, and I, I think we, we also have examples where there has been a fair sort of distribution of the economic benefits of, of, of the resources. Um, and I think part of the reason why conflicts would flare up is where some members of communities or the demographics feel that they have been disenfranchised and they're not participate, participating in, in the economic value. Um, an example such as Botswana where, you know, the government has used uh, the resources or the proceeds from diamonds into a, a more fair and equitable distribution insofar as building national infrastructure uh, and developing uh, the, so the social infrastructure which is investing in its people um, through education and health. So there's a more equitable distribution of the proceeds from minerals and therefore perhaps that um, limits uh, or restricts any, any, any conflicts that may arise. So in, in addition to the um, dimensions uh, mentioned by Letsibi, uh, I would also like to focus on the environmental consequences of exploiting the natural resources uh, the health issues, the health of the society issues uh, related to exploitation of natural resources and most importantly when it comes to the market space how do we ensure that the natural wealth is getting an appropriate price from the customers who often tend to be some of the big, large international companies. In other words, how do we ensure that some of the smaller countries, African countries, have the required negotiating power to negotiate fair contracts, reasonable contracts with the, with the mining agencies in those countries? So earlier we talked about leadership and now we are talking in terms of issues that relate to the process of converting the natural wealth into actual value for those, actual wealth for those countries. Yeah. One, one of the most important things um, within the commodity space is price discovery. Um, and of course, um, with, with a good number of commodities, uh, prices would be listed in exchanges. But there are other industries where the price of commodities are perhaps a lot more paid. And um, it's, it's imperative that governments are able to have some self-determination um, in establishing what the true value of uh, of their commodities are. If they are able, for example, to set up parallel structures um, through which they could take uh, the product to market and be able to go and verify independently outside of the partners <coughs> that they may have in terms of what the true value of that, of, of that price are. Now, I think it's also important that we have to recognize, as the professor has said, sometimes this could be difficult because their partners would be global multinationals. Um, who are quite dominant in the space globally and, and regionally. Well, that's great insight. And uh, uh, as uh, let's be said, 
Botswana has been able to do a few things very correctly. There have been four countries uh, which have been able to avoid the so-called curse of natural resources, which is Canada, Chile, Norway, and definitely Botswana. So maybe that model can be replicated in uh, rest of the Africa or could be some lessons picked up from there. Yeah, I think the rest of Africa is um, seeing what other countries are doing with their mineral resources. Uh, the examples you cited, one of the countries is in Africa. Um, if there's information flow now, more information flow in Africa now. Um, so I'm sure other countries will take um, example from uh, what Botswana and the rest of the other countries are doing. In Nigeria, for, for now, we have a new government in which is focusing on uh, eradication of corruption. Uh, so there's a push to bring about trans transparency in the economy in terms of the oil sector, in terms of the mineral sector as well. And this is yielding good results. Um, so the citizens are asking more from the government. Um, they're asking to find out where the oil resources are going to and they want to know um, what projects, what infrastructural projects the government will embark on based on the um, their revenue from um, oil. Unfortunately, the oil market has gone against us um, in the current period, so we're losing quite a bit in terms of our potential earnings. But the government is um, actually making efforts to, to run a transparent government, and we hope that will benefit the citizens who will benefit in the short to medium term. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Professor Lalit, uh, for great insights. Thank you, Ibiaho uh, and Latsivi. We'll now take a short break, and uh, we are discussing about role of Africa in the global business on Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We'll be back shortly. Looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace 
every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Welcome back to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are here in Oxford today with Professor Lalit, Mr. Ibiaho, Mr. Letsibi, and we are discussing about the role of Africa in global business and trade. Let's now look at how can Africa play a major role in global trade? So, uh In the first segment of this program, Mahesh, uh, you have highlighted that Africa today provides uh, basic raw material for so many different industries. So I would say fundamentally, one of the greatest contribution of African countries as part of the, the global trade is the provision of natural resources. And as we also said that if it can be, if natural wealth can be exploited through responsible leadership in very, very transparent manner, it can provide a massive growth phenomenon to the African countries. Yeah, I think um, in addition to what Professor said, Professor Lalit, um, Africa also has um, opportunities in terms of the population as well. Uh, in terms of um, the um, resources which has earlier on been addressed and also in terms of labor. Um, We have a growing labor force, educated labor force, which is growing by the day. Um, We also have the resources, um, gold, uh, oil and gas, copper, uh, bauxite. Uh, You know, there's a a wide variety of uh, minerals that Africa possesses and also the population. There's a huge market in Africa, and with the stability that has come into Africa, political stability that has come into Africa over the years, um, that population can be, um, there's a lot of benefit to be derived from the population in terms of trade between Africa and the rest of the world. In in terms of the resources, if there are opportunities for within Africa, countries or governments within Africa, to be able to um, negotiate favorable terms for their mineral resources with the other parts of the world, and there's a, there'll be a huge benefit to Africa as well in the long term. I believe um, the current or most recent challenges on the commodity front, notwithstanding. Um, Africa's demographics still represent a huge opportunity. For a long time, we looked at the next frontier for growth. Um, a lot of um, companies in more mature markets need to find new areas for, for, for growth, and I think Africa represents that, particularly for consumer-led segments. 
uh, as you well be aware, you know, sectors such as telecommunications have done phenomenally well in Africa. I think that is still a, a continuing phenomenon. I think areas that have not been explored um, in great detail, such as health, still need to be explored. I think the demographics of Africa becoming one of the largest middle class segments globally represents a huge opportunity, phenomenal opportunity that should be explored by possibly companies in more advanced economies with more advanced technologies and more advanced skills to be able to harness uh, this value. I would just add um, two other aspects to Africa's potential in global trade. One, a lot of African countries have been part of the Commonwealth network of countries. So when I visit Africa, there are so many English-speaking professionals in that part of the world. And and they, they easily provide the so-called language or the cultural bridge between the Western um, corporations, Western markets, and the African companies and the African markets. This other thing that I observe while looking at the <clears throat> geographical um, location of countries, Africa is sitting right in the middle of, on one side you have India, which is a big market. On the other side you have the whole of America. And then if you go up north, it's the Europe. According to me, this is a fantastic location to be in from the point of view of global logistics. And I already see many uh, big corporations in the automobile sectors, how they are exploiting the location of Africa in terms of creating their regional and global supply chains. So that's going to play a very important role uh, from the point of view of Africa in the context of global trade. In in addition, um, there's a growing uh, middle class um, which provides a huge market opportunity um, for international trade. You also have the bottom of the pyramid, um, which is an area um, of opportunity as well for international trade. Um, you have opening up of the borders. You have um, within the West African zone, you have the ECOWAS. Um, within the South African zone, you have the SADC. And also within the East African zone, you have the community within East Africa as well, where there's trade between, intra-trade between the regions and also internationally. Um, more countries are speaking to each other. Um, there's improved communication across um, Africa. So I think there's indeed huge potential within the African continent uh, to participate mm-hmm. uh, in international trade. I think I'll also just maybe conclude from my end on that point that um, of recent times, um, you may be aware that uh, the Africa Growth and Opportunities Act um, was, was renewed by the Obama administration. Um, which has uh, significant members, beneficiary members being African African countries, through which uh, those that are seeking market access into the U.S. market um, can basically locate some of their, their operations uh, in Africa and have duty-free, uh, quota-free market access into the U.S. Um, quite recently as well, um, the, the Southern African Development Community, SADC, uh, comprising 14 member states within within the, the most southern part of Africa, 
um, concluded, uh, negotiated uh, what's called an economic partnership agreement with the European Union, uh, potentially uh, allowing, um, without any restrictions, quota-free, duty-free market access um, by static member state countries into into the European Union as, as a whole. I think this really lends uh, itself well as a, as a positioning for um, companies, multinationals uh, that have been trading uh, and exporting into the European Union as a whole um, to be able to leverage uh, again this, um, this, this this opportunity that has been created for duty-free, quota-free market access into, into what is phenomenally one of the largest uh, markets in, 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 the, in the global context. So there's a number of opportunities um, that are emerging uh, that I believe position Africa um, in a very, very strong position to be able to start playing a more meaningful contributory role to international trade. So I, I would actually like to add to what uh, Let's Be and Ibiyao said. Uh, there are many big cities in Africa, in African countries, which are experiencing rapid urbanization. And there is a huge demand for water projects, for uh, solid waste management projects. So put together this whole industry of environment management. And that is a very big opportunity uh, from the point of view of Western countries where you have very large corporations which specialize in environment management projects. So very clearly there is an opportunity for uh, import, export, and you know, contributing to the process of urbanization, a, a very sort of orderly process of urbanization of big cities and medium-sized cities in Africa. Well, that's great information. Looks like with the demographics and with the location of Africa, uh, there is another sector which can open up, which is services beyond the, the trade of goods. And uh, that's a good news for, for the continent and uh, the population definitely supports it. Uh, <clears throat> moving on, uh, can we discuss a little bit about what resources Africa brings to the table in global business? They are mineral resources plus something yeah, I mean, we have the mineral resources like we've uh, mentioned earlier on the gold, the oil and gas, the copper, the bauxite, uh, huge area of resources. Um, we also have the population, um, which, you know, in terms of the service industry can also be used. Um, Africa has opportunities in that area because, you know, there's a lot of education going on. The um, education trend says um, uh, people are getting more educated all across Africa. And there's the issue of um, um, good governance as well. We're experiencing good governance in some countries, which also um, opens up further opportunities for doing proper trade between African nations and, um, and their international counterparts. I think... Broadly, um, Africa presents and uh, puts on the table, um, I believe, manufacturing capacity uh, for a number of companies that are looking for locations where they can find low-cost environment. Of course, we are lent and cognizant to the fact that that has to be happening within a sustainable and responsible manner. I think what you're also seeing uh, across Africa 
is the creation of a more enabling um, environment uh, from a policy uh, perspective. I think African uh, governments are led to the fact increasingly that we need to offer a more predictable um, and more stable uh, you know, environment for, for, for allowing businesses to be, to, be, to be productive and competitive uh, when they're positioned in Africa. So there's, there's, there's a general move by most African governments to start uh, addressing issues that come up in the ease of doing business rankings, which come out annually um, by the World Bank and the Global Competitiveness Rankings by the World Economic Forum. Um, take an example in Botswana, where an entire a committee of cabinet um, at you know this is easily the highest level in the land in terms of in terms of um, accountability um, to 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 address uh, decisively some of these issues. Okay. Uh, we'll be taking a short break now. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and we'll be back shortly. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. today have certain characteristics that set them apart as success stories. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now, you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these success stories every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome back to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, we are here with Professor Lalit, Mr. Ibiaho, and Mr. Latsibi, and we were discussing the resources Africa brings to table in global business. Africa has proven oil reserves of almost 130 billion barrels and gas reserves of almost 14 trillion cubic meters. Beyond that, they have agriculture, they have talent pool, <clears throat> Uh, the continent ranks as the number one 
in its reserves of bauxite, chromites, cobalt, diamonds, and gold. It is rich in palladium, phosphates, platinum, group metals, titanium minerals, vanadium, and zircon. African production accounts for 80% of the world's platinum group metals, 55% of chromites, 49% of palladium, 45% of vanadium, and up to 55% of gold and diamonds. This clearly tells us uh, the importance of Africa in survival of the modern economy. Professor Lalit, we were talking about uh, the raw materials coming out of Africa and what could be the impact of finished products coming out of Africa instead of raw material. I, I personally support the idea that uh, Africa is now poised to export value-added products and uh, there are many examples uh, for example let's say we would share that how in Botswana they have signed up several joint ventures with international companies and with transfer of technology greater value addition is taking place uh, in many natural uh, mineral industries so one way to increase the participation of Africa in the context of the global uh, trade would be to add more value to the local products. The second thing that I would say, which, which is actually related to this, that today Africa provides a great opportunity for uh, developing innovative solutions because there are so many unresolved problems faced by the society, whether it's in the field of nutrition or it's in the field of health. And we already know that many global pharmaceutical companies are uh, doing uh, have undertaken vaccine research programs, um, developing nutritious products, and if those experiments succeed, then Africa can become a sort of a a primary um, area for first prototyping of these new innovations, and then uh, ensuring that this message of innovation travels around the world, either in terms of production carried out in Africa and then products exported to the rest of the world, or even transfer of technology from Africa to the other countries. Yes, I think uh, I, I agree entirely with, with Professor um, that the time has really come for African countries. Um, to claim a lot more value uh, in terms of uh, the minerals that are extracted in, in, in the continent. For for far too long um, as a continent and as African countries, we've only ever played on the extractive end of, 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 of the value chain. What that meant was that we exported quite a lot of economic value in terms of the jobs and the economic activity that would take place around the, uh, the value addition. So we need to add value to these minerals on the continent, create jobs, create that economic activity. Uh, and I think equally, and perhaps even more importantly, is that we will be fetching more remunerative prices for, for the commodities that we that we extract in, in, in the country. In the case of, uh, of Botswana, what we, we've seen with, within the diamond um, space is that we have successfully in discussions with our partners to be relocated what was called sales and aggregation functions out of London 
and those have now been uh, are now being carried out in Kaburun, in the capital of, of Botswana. Um, second to that is that uh, we have now established and are creating a diamond cutting and polishing um, industry about 20 companies that are now effectively doing that in Botswana. Obviously, the aspiration is to move further up the value chain in terms of jewelry manufacturing um, and, and, and more finished goods. Uh, we've also been able to agree um, uh, the establishment of a company um, that is wholly owned uh, by the government that is uh, distinct from the, the BBS global selling channel, um, which will be selling um, some of the, the, the production out of the China through an independent channel which really empowers the country in terms of um, gaining the experience and the exposure in terms of um, marketing diamonds internationally. Okay, in addition to what has been said, uh, value addition locally uh, within Africa um, creates huge opportunities in terms of employment, local employment. I've seen clear cases in countries like Ghana where fruits are caught and shipped out to the United Kingdom on a daily basis from a farm in Ghana. I've seen the same example in Nigeria as well, where fresh fruits are exported to Europe. I've seen the same example in Kenya, where roses are exported to Holland and other cities within Europe. And this creates um, employment locally um, for the African populace, um, and then it creates the opportunity for the middle-class expansion, which will also be a bed for further development of the, within the African continent. But it must be said that um, the governments within Africa have a role to play as well in creating an enabling environment where, and in negotiating trade deals where the citizens of the countries will benefit from in the long term. Just like to touch a little bit on um, the transformation in the political space. Um, several African countries have learned from mistakes they made in the past, and today they can boast of very stable governments, smooth uh, transition from. Uh, one ruling cabinet to the next ruling cabinet through the process of democratic election. And this has improved tremendously the reputation and the credibility of the African countries and the African cooperation. This is a very positive trend. And I'm sure uh, enlightened leaders from these countries and the corporations from Africa are going to play a major significant role in shaping not just the trends in the international trade, but also policies with regard to the uh, fair compensation on um, on the natural wealth and the finished products and the services that emanate from African continent going to the rest of the world. Yes, um, a clear example uh, can be seen in Nigeria, uh, where an opposition party leader was voted into power. Uh, this was the first time that this had occurred in the history of Nigeria, and we have uh, where we have a, an opposition party leader becoming president. Um, in Ghana, you have already examples of um, successive change of uh, democratic rulers. Um, in other countries in Africa, this is also on the rise, 
and this gives um, a lot of confidence um, to international investors when they note that um, the, there's a level playing field in terms of change of our power and also there's stability within the continent. It does give a certain measure of confidence that the, country, the continent is moving in the right direction. I would certainly agree um, that you're seeing a lot more um, African countries joining uh, the ranks of countries such as uh, Ghana, uh, Mauritius, um, Namibia, uh, Botswana, where historically these are countries that have always had very um, smooth transitions of power, free and fair elections. Um, and yeah, I'd agree that there's a lot more optimism um, when you're seeing countries like Kenya put their troubles behind them and, and start running uh, very stable governments. Um, and I think we, we are quite pleased to see uh, countries like Nigeria, uh, where there's been such a smooth transition of power, a change in government through uh, the elections. This is, this is a phenomenon that is now starting to emerge more frequently. Um, across the, the, the continent and this is lending quite say, substantial stability and confidence uh, in the continent. So basically uh, what we are hearing is that one of the issues uh, which was affecting the continent was governance and leadership and there have been a lot of positive developments there. It's not only good leadership coming in place, driving governance, driving accountability and trying to take out the corruption out of the system. Yes, that's correct. And uh, I think this the, the, the political transformation in uh, several countries is going to have a multiplier effect right across Africa. And more and more African countries, you will see uh, adopting more stable forms of political uh, institutions and political democratically elected governments. Yeah, good governance and democracy um, plays a leading role in economic development. And I think um, from the example of Nigeria, we're seeing the way Nigeria is moving um, with the introduction of transparency initiatives, um, infrastructural development with the new government that has come in. Um, it's a point to note that governments now realize that if they do not perform um, during their tenures, they'll be voted out of office. So it's bringing upon them the realization that they must use the natural resources which they are blessed with for the development of the countries in which they rule. Uh, we hope this uh, message is sent across Africa in terms of what has happened in Nigeria and in other countries so that the governments are responsible enough to hand over power if they are not elected to government. Well, that's good news. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Looks like there's a lot of good news coming on the governance side and uh, uh, that could result in uh, the rate of growth which Africa deserves. Uh, we'll be taking a short break now and we will be back shortly. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. 
We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Welcome back to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are at Oxford with Professor Lalit, Mr. Ibiaho, and Mr. Letsevi. We are discussing uh, about Africa, how the resources could be made to good use, how the demographics and location is helping us to get into playing a bigger role in global business. So let's look at it now. Uh, how does Africa see the global business? Do they see people there as an enabler for economic prosperity? Or do they think it's an exploitation of their resources? And in other words, I would say, would Africa rise with its resources and create economic prosperity for the region with participation in global trade? Or you think the region will be exploited by global players? I think Africa looks to the to global players uh, perhaps more as an enabler um, for economic growth and, and, and prosperity. Um, and we would certainly would wish to encourage multinationals who are seeking to do business in Africa um, to first try and identify some alignment with the businesses that they're doing, with the aspirations, the national aspirations and so far as the sectors that specific countries are are promoting actively, uh, trying to promote investments into. But the reason for that is that those are sectors typically that would lend themselves with the greatest amount of support at a political uh, level. Um, they would often be um, incentivized to a fair amount of degree, and the, the ease of entry into those particular segments um, will be relatively easier than other parts of other parts of the, the economy. So, for example, um, you know, in most countries across Africa, as we spoke earlier, 
what we're looking to do is value addition and beneficiation of, 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 of extractive minerals. So that would be a good starting point where investments into those sort of areas will be, will, will be received more positively. Not to say others will be excluded, but that would probably be a good starting point. Uh, I think further to the point on uh, value addition, um, I think Africa sees um, it as, a, as an enabler um, because with the international trade, huge opportunities abound. Um, in countries, you know, if I use Nigeria as an example, um, there's been a lot of divestment by government from um, public sector initiatives. Um, there's been introduction of privatization, which um, helps bring um, foreign investment into the country. Um, but what I think is important is that the terms of the trade should be fair. Um, there should be no issues regarding unfair uh, agreements between uh, African countries and the international organization, international corporates. It should be seen as a level playing field. And in so doing, uh, I believe um, development will be encouraged within the African continent. There's a huge potential um, for the investors when it comes to uh, entering into public-private partnerships uh, in the sense that uh, many African countries are now uh, able to nurture efficient um, capital markets. The banking system has matured in many countries. The constitutional provisions or the regulatory structures are in place. So you have all the basic building blocks of uh, creating some innovative organizations and I have seen that fair amount of investment has gone into the public-private partnerships to, to provide uh, safe drinking water to, um, to the people living in uh, different parts of Africa. I've seen uh, public-private partnerships in the energy space, provision of electricity, public-private partnerships in the development of port and railway inf infrastructure. So as long as the government and the private sector are able to trust each other, they are able to share the risk. And as long as there are efficient mechanisms to support any form of business activity, I, I feel that there is a huge uh, uh, potential for the rest of the world to invest in Africa. I think, um, in addition, um, when you look at a country like Nigeria in the oil and gas space, uh, Nigeria has majorly exploited um, its oil resources, its crude oil resources. Um, but there's been limited exploitation of the gas reserves and there's huge potential in that area and the government has stopped is, is making moves towards stopping flaring of gas so there are huge potentials in that area for investment uh, also with the infrastructure uh, across Africa there's a huge space for infrastructural development across Africa so that presents a huge opportunity for development uh, within the African space and also uh, an opportunity for partners to come into Africa and work with the government um, to be able to develop the infrastructure of the country, countries that they operate in. 
uh, in terms of um, the banking space as well, um, you find that um, the huge opportunities you have uh, banks within Nigeria that are moving across Africa as well, uh, West Africa, South Africa, and East Africa, and also moving into Europe. Uh, so there are opportunities for trade within uh, that market as well. So huge potentials, huge huge opportunities. But again, it's important that they are done um, on a fair basis uh, so that one side doesn't feel exploited against the other. Well, that's a great point. And that brings us to our last uh, point of discussion today. How can people and where should they invest in Africa? It is being said that Africa is the final frontier among emerging markets for high yield. Mm. So if individuals have to move in, invest or companies, what should they be looking at? I think a lot of the sectors um, are going to be within the infrastructure space that the, the professor admitted to earlier. Um, energy um, is a very big sector. Uh, as you are aware, there is a big energy deficit um, in the continent, electrical energy. Uh, I, I think more recently, our governments across the continent are becoming more open um, to renewable energy as well, solar, uh, wind, whatever the case may be. Um, another key sector um, that one ought to look very closely at is within the agriculture space. Uh, as you know, a lot of um, a huge percentage of the arable land in Africa remains uh, untapped. At the same time, you have a situation where um, Africa is not producing enough uh, food to, to, to feed the, the continent. Um, commercialized, large-scale agricultural production, um, even beyond then, um, the processing, uh, again back to the point of value addition, processing into more finished food products and packaging I think is, is, is a big opportunity. Um, we're still seeing a lot of opportunity in terms of ICT enabled um, services. You also look at the fact that uh, governments across Africa have invested significantly into ICT infrastructure, uh, backbone, uh, fiber, undersea cables and that lens um, itself very well to in addition to already an already thriving mobile um, telephone telephone industry but other ICT enabled services. So I believe the services uh, and opportunities are abound in most African countries tourism um, is still a, a sector uh, that is significantly unexploited could attract significant investments into the infrastructure. Um, so the opportunities are really abound in Africa. Um, I think it's really a question of um, what, you know where the appetite lies for the investor, but pretty much across the board, I think there will be a number of opportunities. Well, that's great news because Africa is a huge continent made of 54 countries, the second largest continent with 11.7 million square miles. And almost half of the gold ever mined on Earth has come from single place with water strand in South Africa and 57% of export earnings of Africa comes from hydrocarbon. So that's another opportunity for investment. Well, we are coming to the end of our program. Thank you, Professor Lalit. Thank you, Mr. Ibiaho and Mr. Latsebi. Thanks for joining us on the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And uh, we discussed a very important subject. Looks like Africa has a lot of opportunities and for all of us, but not in Africa, there is another opportunity to get into this continent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mahesh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 